You know you're old when you grunt and you bend over. That's what just happened, so sorry about that. I was explaining to people earlier, I've also realized in the last two weeks I'm old because I have to make my font of what I'm reading for a message bigger. What is happening? You're almost 38 and man, things are happening in your life. Okay, so welcome, welcome. We are in the sixth week of the Ecclesiastes series. So there are a lot of things some of us are probably wondering and some of us may even be like, I'm gonna be honest, this book continues to be more and more confusing. So because of that, we have been trying to show you videos throughout this series so that you can get a different perspective each time. This one is specifically a spoken word one. So we're going to watch another video in a second, but I love spoken word pieces. So some of you may know what that means. Some of you may not, but let me explain really fast. A spoken word is a rhythmic poem that gives full emotions to a full story with simple phrases. This spoken word piece is by Spoken Gospel. Let's take a look. Don't you want to give a standing ovation? I mean, man, I found this video because I have this thing where I can't do things that everyone else does. And so the only other video I found, I found out Tom showed a few weeks ago and I was like, oh, and then I found this and I was like, oh, Lord, here are some of the things that stuck out to me. Unless we look above the sun for answers, everything will be in vain. We need God and his word to know how to live in this world to understand it. We find it impossible to not get stuck only looking under the sun. So friends, we're six weeks in and we're wrestling possibly, or now we're wrestling because we just watched that video, let's be honest. So let's spend some time talking to each other. There's some questions on the screen. What phrases from the video stuck out to you? What have you been processing during the series? What have you been learning about God? And what have you been learning about yourself? Pick a question and let's talk about it. With each other, sorry. Okay, there we go. Okay, what are some of the things you're processing? What are some of the phrases that stuck out to you? Can I get like three people, maybe from three different sections that would like to talk about those things? What are some things you're processing that stuck out to you from the video? What are you learning about God, yourself? All the good things. Anyone wanna start? Mike Cranmer, you wanna start? So it's easy to be distracted if you don't have a common or simple phrase to remind you to be in the moment. Thanks, Mike. I love you. (laughs) Anyone else? Yeah, Jim, go for it. Right. Thanks, Jim. Anyone else? Mike, go for it.
Yeah, that's. Yep. Yeah, that's beautiful. So the complexity of life is actually simple. Love God and obey. And God makes it simple for us. Well, last week we talked about our approach to God and how do we come to him? Do we listen or do we talk all the time? And then we talked about our willingness to not put idols in front of God and what we're hearing. Today, our conversation is going to be what are we chasing after and what makes us chase after them and specifically within the context of work and life. So it's a long text. We are in Ecclesiastes 5, 8 through 6, 12. So if you want, you can grab your Bibles, but it's a long text. So because of that, I didn't want to drone you with my voice for that many verses. So I asked my hair twin, Jaden, to help read. I asked my golden retriever friend, Cindy, to read and the beautiful DeVries girls to help read. And so we are gonna get started with Ecclesiastes 5, 8 from the message. Jaden? Don't be too upset when you see the poor kicked around and justice and right violated all over the place. Exploitation filters down from the petty official to another. There's no end to it and nothing can be done about it. But the good earth doesn't cheat anyone. Even a bad king is honestly served by a field. The one who loves money is never satisfied with money, nor the one who loves wealth with big profits. More smoke. The more loot you get, the more looters show up. And what fun is that, to be robbed in broad daylight? Hard and honest work earns a good night's sleep, whether suppers, beans, or steak, but a rich man's belly gives him insomnia. Here's a piece of bad luck I've seen happen. A man hoards more wealth than is good for him and loses it in a bad business deal. He fathers a child but hasn't a cent left to give him. He arrives naked from the womb of his mother. He'll leave in the same condition with nothing. This is bad luck for sure. Naked he came, naked he went. So what has the point of working for a salary of smoke? All for a miserable life spent in the dark. After looking at the way things are on this earth, on this earth, here's what I've decided is the best way to live. Take care of yourself, have a good time, and make the most of whatever job you have for as long as God gives you life. And that's about it. That's the human lot. Yes, we should make the most of what God gives, both the bounty and the capacity to enjoy it, accepting what's given and delighting in the work. It's God. It's God's gift. God deals out joy in the present, the now. It's useless to brood over how long we might live. Hard at what goes on around here. And let me tell you, things are bad and people feel it. There are people, for instance, on whom God showers everything money, property, reputation, all they ever wanted or dreamed of. And then God doesn't let them enjoy it. Some stranger comes along and has all the fun. It's more of what I'm calling smoke, a bad business. Say a couple have scores of children and live a long, long life, 
but never enjoy themselves, even though they end up with a big funeral. I'd say that a stillborn baby gets the better deal. It gets its start in a mist and ends up in the dark, unnamed. It sees nothing and knows nothing, but is better off by far than anyone living. Even if someone lived a thousand years, make it two thousand, but didn't enjoy anything, what's the point? Doesn't everyone end up in the same place? We work to feed our appetites. Meanwhile, our souls go hungry. So what advantage has a sage over a fool or over some poor wretch who barely gets by? Just grab whatever you can while you can. Don't assume something better might turn up by and by. All it amounts to anyway is smoke and spitting into the wind. Whatever happens, happens. Its destiny is fixed. You can't argue with fate. The more words that are smoke, spoken, the more smoke there is in the air. And who is any better off? And who knows what's best for us as we live our meager smoke and shadow lives? And who can tell any of us the next chapter of our lives? Thank you all so much. I know it's scary to read in front of people, so thank you for doing that. When I look at this text, it is pregnant with questions. And I wonder how many of us, it's pregnant with the questions we ask. The things that keep us up at night, the things that we long for and we wonder about. Why does that guy get it good? Why can that person do whatever they want and never be called out? Why does exploitation still happen today? Can't we get better leaders and bosses so those things don't happen anymore? Why do I have to work so hard to earn money and so-and-so can just sit on a computer and not do anything and get even more money? Why does that person have it easy? Why do neither of us look happy? What if I just work a little harder? Work a couple more hours? My family won't need me. Will this actually affect my family and my relationships? Isn't it okay to want more money? Isn't it okay to want riches? I don't know about you, but those are some of my questions. I wonder how many sleepless nights the author of Ecclesiastes had rolling around in bed asking these questions over and over again and looking under the sun instead of above the sun. I wonder how many of us have done the same thing. See, many of the questions speak to the longings and losses of our life and our experience and the things that we've observed and many of the longing and losses have to do with the things that we can or can't control. And then it feels useless. Okay, so my daughter is in this thing called Knitting Club at Jefferson. I didn't actually know it was a thing until she mentioned it one day and she was in front of a bunch of people when she said it and then all of a sudden the parents were like, yes, my child did that too. So for the first time this week, Mercy came with knitting needles and yarn. I keep calling it string, knitting needles and yarn. Obviously I do not knit. Mike even looked at me and was like, where did you get a ball of yarn? The well. Okay, so this is my illustration. Eternity is the string. I am this rock. How many times do I fret about things that are under the sun when eternity is that big? So let's say I work 70 years. You can't see it, it's a small rock, but let's say it's a, I work 70 years, which means it's only about that amount of rock left. 
So this amount of rock I work for in hopes that my good education will lead me to a good college, which will lead me to an even better job, which will lead me to a great retirement, which will lead me to eternity. How many of us do the same? You know, church family, I need to confess that I'm guilty of chasing after the wind. But I wonder, church family, how many of us are. See, my concern is that when we chase after the wind, we'll actually be swept away by the wind and end up in a dark place and have no concept or understanding of what's actually happening. We'll be unable to account for anything. And then one day we'll get to heaven and we'll bring all of our things with or think that we're going to and say, God, look it. And he says, wow. And then he'll ask, but did you love me? And then we drop all of our things and we say, hold on, I did, let me find it. And then we don't know when we lost it. See, when we chase after the things of the world, we're chasing after vanity. So no, money's not bad, jobs are not bad, enjoying life is not bad, having riches is not bad, having a nice boat or a nice truck, not bad, but is it preparing us for eternity? Ecclesiastes repeats this phrase over and over again, vanity of vanity, or the synonyms of it are pride of pride, arrogance of arrogance, narcissism of narcissism, or if you've been like me in this series, you've been like desperately wanting this song to be sung, You're so vain. You probably think this song is about you. You're so vain. And our self-focusedness leads us further from God than to God. Has anyone else wanted that song? No? Okay. Okay. (laughs) See, if our self-focusedness leads us further from God than to God, we should be concerned because we're not entitled to the things of this earth. Although this earth portrays it that way. We deserve more money. Look how hard we're working. We deserve more toys. Look at what my neighbor has. We deserve a bigger house. A bigger house means success. Well, Isaiah 55, nine says, but God's ways are not our ways and God's thoughts are not our thoughts. Okay, so I threw the ball of eternity but eternity's longer than the ball of string, right? Yarn, oh my, woof. Yarn. Our living outlasts our life on earth if we're living for eternity. So in this entire section of Ecclesiastes 5, 8, 6 through 12, there's this verse that keeps coming up to me. We work to feed our appetites, but meanwhile, our souls go hungry. Our appetites matter when it comes to eternity. Our hunger pains matter when it comes to eternity. We are in control of allowing God the control. I know that sounds weird, but when we chase after the sun and the things under the sun, really we're trying to control it. We're trying to make ourselves better. And we know what those things are because they're the things we can't stop talking about, right? They're the things that we can't stop looking at, the things we can't stop thinking about. And as I studied this week, I began to wonder if really Ecclesiastes is asking us to look and reflect on our hunger pains. 
Where are hunger pains coming from? Where are hunger pains leading us to? How are we fulfilling the hunger pains in our life? See, if the things we are hungering for don't invite us to eternity with God, then it's probably time for me, us, to reevaluate that, right? Okay, so here's the deal. I always have to do this because you're seeing more of my personality when I do this. But sometimes when I sit and I listen to someone, I'm like, okay, Allie, we need our jobs. We need our homes. We need fill in the blank. And I would say I agree with all of that. God has gifted each one of us gifts and talents that the world needs from us. God has gifted each one of us with paychecks for us to be able to take care of ourselves and take care of others. But what I'm talking about are all the add-ons in life. I'm learning this because this is a hard lesson for me. Sabbathing is hard. Taking a break is hard. I love to work. I love that I feel achievement when I work. I love the compliments of work. I love everything and anything about work. It is not uncommon for me to call Mike on my way home and say, oh yeah, I forgot about a meeting. I'll see you later. Because I love meeting with people. All great things. But the add-ons begin to add on more stress. The add-ons begin to add on less relationships. The add-ons begin to add on and add on and add on sacrifice after sacrifice, which for the kingdom of God sounds great, but that's not God's hands or expectation. So Jim, I love how you brought up Genesis because I actually wondered if that was the text we should be in today because God gave us a gift called Sabbath for a reason. For us to take a break and realize that he is infinite and I am not. To realize that he can do all and I am limited in what I can do. For me to realize that I need him to be able to move forward. We can be feeding ourselves all of life and its add-ons. But the truth is we will always still be hungry. The truth is they will never sustain or satisfy us. And as we look to fulfill our hunger and our appetite, we'll crave more sugar because it feels good to get the compliment. It feels good to be admired. It feels good to be looked up to. In John 4, Jesus meets this incredible woman. She had a lot of questions in life and she sought under the sun for all of them. So he and his disciples end up in this town called Samaria. They are sent ahead and he shows up to a well and he says, could you give me some water? And she says, why are you talking to me? You know all the boundaries and lines that are set up here. You know it's weird for me as a woman to be here in the middle of the day because all the other women will not allow me to be with them because they're so disgusted by who I've become. Why are you talking to me? And he asks again, I would just like a drink of water. In the question after question that Jesus and her have in this conversation, he ends up looking at her and saying, I know all the men you've been with. I know all the ways you've tried to satisfy your appetite. And I'm the only one that has living water to give you. And it'll take care of you forever. 
Can you imagine those moments with Jesus? Can you imagine sitting there with him and him looking you in the eyes and literally knowing everything? But his word, his reaching hand isn't to slap your hand or to condemn you. He's looking at you saying, I want you in relationship with you. Let me show you. So what does she do? She finds this out and she immediately says, I need to tell everyone. And he says, I was hoping for that. That's the Jesus that takes all of our appetites away. He's hoping that because our appetites change, because we look so differently than the world, that he will be made famous. That people will look at us and be like, what's different about you? And he says, yeah, I was hoping you would tell them it was me. I was hoping you would show them more of my heart. I was hoping you would show them that it's okay to take a break, that it's okay to live differently. I was hoping that you loved me. So I'm excited for us, church family, because as you saw, we were all invited into Sabbath. So here's the things that you may have seen coming in, but you may not have. Each one of us, here's the Sabbath joy bag. And this bag is full of wonder. So you... And those you want to do this with, it could be your family, it could not. Whoever you want to do this with, we have a bingo card. Who doesn't love bingo, right? So what's going to happen with this bingo card is you get to do different experiences that you might want to do during the season. So some of them may be eat caramel apples. If that's called Sabbath, come on. <laughs> Watch a sunset. Go geocaching. Play a board game. There's more. And then we have the Sabbath 101, because here's the things that we've realized as a team as we created these, is some of us have some weird, uh, that's, sorry, Lord, forgive me. Guys, forgive me. Some of us have grown up with some interesting understandings of Sabbath. I say this weird things of Sabbath. I actually didn't know there was such thing as a Sabbath. And I, our family started going, my family started going to church when I was in second grade because I played soccer every Sunday. So Sabbath for me meant going to church and that was it, if we could make it. Then the rest of our day was soccer. I loved it, but by age, sophomore and year, I like sophomore in the school year. I don't know how to say that sentence. We're just leaving it. Okay. But when I was a sophomore in high school, then I ended up blowing out my knee and not being able to play soccer. So it left me in a place of what's happening. So there's that. So we get to process a little bit. What are the things we've come into with Sabbath? What are the things that maybe your family demanded Sabbath look like? Maybe it is naps. I love naps. Maybe you hate naps. Maybe you need to, Mike loves mowing the lawns. For some of us, that feels like work. But for him, that's so rejuvenating because he can pray and listen to worship music. But then we'll also get to learn about resting, ceasing, embracing, and feasting. So there's that. And then there's another practice in here called praying in color where it explains what does it look like to pray in color. Maybe some of us have only prayed by kneeling and folding our hands and praying, which is beautiful. But God has so many different opportunities for us to engage in with prayer. It doesn't just have to be one set way. So I'm excited for us, family. Because as we continue to push in and realize that there are more things happening above the sun than under the sun, as we begin to understand that Eternity goes longer than a string, oh, yarn, uh, longer than yarn. We'll begin to realize how big God is. 
But in the bigness of who God is, those big arms are personal and he draws us in. So I have some invitations for us as action steps. And here is the thing. Sometimes we think it's bad to bring out our phones. I would say in this moment, it is the best decision because I don't have them to take home with you. So you could take a photo of it with your phone and you could take it home with you. So grab a Sabbath bag, that would be an action step. An action step for you to begin to understand and focus and reimagine what God's invitation is for you. Reflect on what God's invitation is for you this week. Is he asking you to look at your schedule differently? Is he asking you to consider all the people that are your neighbors and how our decisions impact them? Invite God to show you what you have been chasing after this season. And then ask him to tell you what he thinks of that or maybe what he wants you to do. I'm gonna pray, then we'll head into one more song of worship. But guys, I'm excited for us. There's so many invitations from the Lord for us. Just like we talked about last week. Are we still enough to hear him? Will you pray with me? Father, I thank you for today. And Jesus, I'm thankful that you are always on pursuit of your creation. I'm thankful that even in the little speck of a rock in eternity, God, you want to intervene and intersect and do beautiful things. And so we say, yes, Lord. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Do beautiful things in our lives. We want to be locked in with you. You have us, and we trust you. Amen.